Listeners, did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy to ship, leading to excessive carbon emissions. Plus, those products are often filled with nasty ingredients like chlorine and ammonia. That's a lose-lose situation for you and the planet. Nobody's trying to have that. Enter Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. The idea is simple. They offer refillable cleaning products with a beautiful cohesive design that looks great on your counter. Fill your reusable bottles with water, drop in the tablets, and wait for them to dissolve. Genius! You'll never have to grab bulky cleaning supplies on your grocery run again. Refills start at just $2.25. Blue Land is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine, y'all. When I received my first shipment of Blue Land, I was blown away by how this simple concept just makes so much sense. It's so easy. You just drop the tablet into the stylish functional bottles and get your clean on. I love the subscription option because I am not trying to get one more bulky item in my cart. Blue Land products really get the job done and leave my home smelling so fresh and clean. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash clink. You won't want to miss this, guys. Blueland.com slash clink for 15% off. Listeners, Remember when everyone was doing juice cleanses and was basically hangry all the time? Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to lose weight. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Rose partners handle all the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. You can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. This means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to Roe dot co slash clink sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that medication costs are separate that's ro dot co slash clink hi and welcome to housewives of true crime welcome welcome i am tabitha Give me Dateline, white wine, and I'll pick up your kids in the carpool line. The next day, right? Yeah, the next day. Okay. And I am Gretchen. I like white wine, true crime, and in bed by nine because I have a lot of stuff to do in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> we are housewives of true crime. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Welcome. Welcome. Housewives of True Crime. Housewives of True Crime. Friday night. It's Friday night. We're having a fine time. We've both had cocktails and, you know, it's Friday. And our husbands are really, really happy that we were both in our closet recording crime stories. Totally. They totally are. But we don't have homework. And we don't have to wake up. Oh, we we do kind of have to wake up early tomorrow because of sports. 
sports. <laughs> Gotta true. fucking true. love them, right? Guess what I'm winning? Sherry what? Papini. Glory. Victory. Oh, you my guys, gosh. We're going to talk about it in two weeks because I got to redo the whole thing. But our very first case, which is three years ago on this podcast, was Sherry Papini. And we pulled it because we weren't very good podcasters when we very first started. But um, it's oh, on. We were pa- okay. We were okay. But it's on Patreon we if just- you really want to hear it. But yeah, anyhow, is. basically, because I'm fascinated with this woman because I knew she was fucking lying. That's basically it, right? <laughs> we did. And I was we, right. You heard it here first, people. Yes, I was so <laughs> right. I've been following it ever since. I joined this Facebook group called I Don't Believe Sherry Papini. And let me tell you, we are, all of us members are just basking in the glory oh of her lyingness. And so I can't wait By the to way, tell the story in two weeks. I'm dropping everything to redo the story. You really are. I couldn't believe you told somebody you were going to do it in two weeks. But can we get to crime? Yeah, let's get that to you're going to tell sure. today. Up. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, Tab, it is your lucky damn day. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) I swear, it really is. You just have a flair for crime in Texas. Don't tell me it's from Dallas, please. Oh, 40 minutes southeast of Dallas. Oh, listen, I have a really funny story. Yes. So my mom picked up, my mom's name is Debbie, and my mom picked up my son from school in Dallas. And I was telling her, I'm like, mom, Debbie does Dallas. And she, I thought it was real funny. I was cracking my whole self up and, um, she didn't think it was too funny. Um, I think it's hilarious. But anyways, is this person's name Debbie? No, it's not. But I think it's hilarious. And you know what? I have always loved your mama, but I have uh, more respect for her now that I know she's familiar with Debbie Does Dallas. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm i familiar with it, too, but I've never watched it. Yeah, you don't have to. But um, have you, know, you watched it? No, I wish I could say All I right. have, but I don't think so. But, I mean, you know, maybe we can all discuss it next time we're together. Sounds entertaining, right? Maybe your mom's watched it. <laughs> With my mom. Her. Okay. <laughs> we should. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Back to Kaufman, Texas. Population around 7,500 people. You can buy a decent home there for 300000 So, I mean, Kaufman sounds pretty good to me, Tab. I could live in an affordable house and be only 40 minutes away from you. Right? In the Dallas. It actually sounds metro good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Okay. Well, it was the home of one Eric Williams. Eric was the ambitious type, although he was also one of those types that kind of got in his own way. For example, Eric had gotten himself fired from three jobs by the time he was 24. So two of those were with police departments. Eric didn't do anything crazy, but he was insubordinate. From what I could find out, basically, he just like mouthed off to the wrong people. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, that doesn't go over well in police departments. Eventually, he landed himself a job as a court clerk and managed to keep that gig while he put himself through law school and got himself a job at a firm doing child protective services work. So professionally, Eric was doing well for himself. Personally, not so much. He had an incident with a woman that he dated casually. She called it off with Eric and started dating someone else seriously. And Eric didn't appreciate that. So he stalked her at a conference she was attending and at one point told her in a bar that he had a gun and she needed to go with him. Thankfully, her friends sensed her fear through her body language from across the room and intervened. The next morning, he showed up again in her hotel lobby, and so she tried to file a police report, but she was sort of unsuccessful. She was told at the time by the police that they had spoke with him, and if he ever bothers you again, we will actually file a report. So, I mean, that's... Yeah, problem. Yeah, that's kind of balls. Okay. Yeah. Well, he didn't bother her again, but based on that incident, one might conclude that he's a little off. Mm -hmm. That seems to be kind of a theme when you read about people's encounters with Eric. He presents himself like this intelligent guy who has a lot going for him, but there's something just off about him. Basically, he's kind of a jerk. In 1998, he was able to find a lady friend that wasn't off-put by his jerkiness. Her name was Kim Johnson, and she and Eric met in an online chat room. That was the thing, Mm -hmm. right? 1998. I think it's still 1998. Yeah, I don't think people go in online chat rooms anymore. They go on Tinder. Yes, but it's different, right? Like they, they, what do they call it? They like slip into your DMs. Yeah. That, you know, that's like the online chat room now. It's sounds, like slipping into your DMs. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I think that sounds unhygienic. I don't. <laughs> it really is. Like that. And then, then it's like, it is. Un, what did you say? Unhygienic. <laughs> yeah. I don't like unhygienic in so many levels. Mm-hmm. Are you not slipping into anybody's DMs over there? I don't there? like to talk about things slippery or moist. Okay. <laughs> puke. (laughs) The worst word ever. Yeah. Okay. So Kim grew up in Dallas and in 1998, she had it going on in all of her Dallas girl glory. She rocked the big blonde hair. I mean, it was, it's good. Okay. She was fit and a little feisty. So what she want with Eric? Well, she was drawn to Eric because she had gone through her share of losers Mm -hmm. and she wanted a future with a man that was going somewhere. So they chatted online for a while. But after her and Eric met for the first time in person, they got married just a few weeks later. After they tied the knot, Kim settled right into her new life in Kaufman. She worked at a hospital 
and also enjoyed being a lawyer's wife in Kaufman and the lifestyle that provided her. Eric ended up owning his own practice after being let go from the firm. So what is that like job number four? He was at because they discovered he had been overcharging his child protective service clients and pocketing it all for himself. Okay. I mean, that's kind of shady. Yep. Can't imagine those child protective service clients had a lot of money. Could be wrong. Yeah. Kind of shady. Yeah. Kind of shady. Okay. So I don't know how accurately Eric, like, explained why he had been let go to Kim, but it didn't change her feelings for him. He was her hero. They were one of those couples that, like, when they got together, they just pulled away from everyone else. They Mm -hmm. had their own little world, okay? And it just got more intense as the years passed. I mean... Blah, right? Okay. Part of what that, contributes. Are you, are you saying are you saying blah because that's not what you and your husband do? Well, we do now, but <laughs> okay. but we used to be very social. Yeah, you yeah, ha- yeah. you don't. Yeah, when you have three babies at the same time, nobody wants to play with you. It gets old, especially to your yeah, single that's friends. <laughs> that's the truth. I just feel like when you have multiple, like not, okay, one baby is real fun, right? Like you can yeah. take it wherever and everybody's like, oh, hold your baby. Yeah. After that, you have two babies at the same time. It's just too much. Yeah. You yeah. you got to settle down for a while before you can Yeah. whoop it up again. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, part of what contributed to Kim and Eric being extra antisocial was Kim had something called Sojourn's syndrome, which is an autoimmune disease, which also caused Kim to have rheumatoid arthritis flare-ups. Oh, God, that's awful. That is awful, right? So three years after Kim and Eric were married, she went on disability. Eric was making good money and they, you know, bought a nice house and, you know, they still had nice things. And that was important to Kim. Um, What was also important to Kim was having kids. But Eric told her if she got pregnant, that he would divorce her after she was diagnosed. So she's like, no job, no kids. I don't know. I mean, he just, he wasn't with it, but he seems like kind of a selfish prick. It's probably for the best that he wasn't a father, though. Right. Okay. Well, Kim didn't contemplate leaving Eric after he squashed her dreams of having a family. She had become dependent on Eric, and she just kind of went along with whatever he said. She was the doting wife and kind of just got her fulfillment from watching him succeed. In 2010, Kim and Eric were on cloud nine when he ran for Kaufman County Justice of the Peace and won. Won that shit. Yeah, like you won the football game, Tab. Okay, so. (laughs) Was he up against like some really hard running mates? Well, you know, I'm not sure exactly who he he had to run against, but he did have to run. 
But, you know, I needed to know exactly what does a justice of the peace do besides marry people? Because I don't know. Do you know? No, I don't know. Okay. Well, let me tell you. Remember that one time you did some, you did this case on the cum troller? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, there is no such thing as a cum troller. Well, you know, you put me in my place I then did. and I will tell you like there was 100% like a comptroller. There really is. It sounds really cool. Comptroller is a better word for it though. We can all agree. Okay. I mean, yes. Okay. Okay. So I needed to know what the justice of the peace did. So I did a little research. Well, it depends by county. And actually, a lot of places have done away with the position. They seem to be holding on to them in Texas, though. You guys are real old school out there. They hold on to everything in here. <laughs> yeah. Giddy up over here. It's like the wild, wild west. Yeah. So they don't have them everywhere. But where they do still have them, Justice of the Peace can issue arrest warrants. They can preside oh. over cases that involve misdemeanors. And the position doesn't require a legal education. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But most mm-hmm. justices of the pieces do have some kind of legal background, but basically it's either an appointed or elected position, you know, depending where it is. But whoever gets it can just do a little judging and, you know, get some county benefits. And it comes with a little clout, you know, it's, it's official, it has the word justice in it. I think that goes a long way in a town of 7,500 people. Yes, for sure. Okay. Well, Eric's new title didn't last long because two months after he got the position, police came a knocking on his door and arrested him. Eric was on tape removing three computer monitors from a county building. Eric's defense for this is he thought the monitors were not being used and he wanted to set up a system so he could arraign prisoners from jail in his office. The monitors were valued at approximately $600. And I actually believe that Eric did intend to do something like what he claimed. But the problem is Eric is just so cocky that he didn't think to ask permission. And, you know, that just tends to rub people the wrong way. 100%. I also don't imagine he was, like, super apologetic when the police came. You know, like, that's just not him. Like, he's not... No, he's like, I could already see. He's, like, too cool for school. Totally. And it's like, he should have been like, whoa, this is a big misunderstanding. You know, like, yeah, whatever you need. You know, right, yeah. okay? But he's not that guy. He's the guy who gets pulled over and like mouse off to the officer, you know? Yeah. So he was offered a deal where he would just get probation for the theft if he just stepped down from his justice of the peace position. But he didn't like that deal. He took it to trial. The prosecutor was like, really? I have you on tape walking out with the (laughs) monitors and I'm offering you probation. Like, no one does take it, it take that yeah. deal where they're offered probation. But, oh, okay, buddy, let's see how this plays out for you. Yeah. I also get the feeling the prosecutor probably just plain didn't like Eric because most people didn't. He was a jerk. Okay. So the trial didn't play out well for Eric. 
And this is weird, but remember that woman I just told you that he stalked like back in the day? They had her testify at the Mm -hmm. trial about what a nut Eric was. So, I mean, of course, he was convicted of felony theft and was sentenced to probation. And now he couldn't be a justice of the peace because justice of the peace cannot be felons. And also, he lost his license to practice law. So, I mean, that's a lot for $600 worth of computer monitors, right? Yeah, apparently you can't be like the bar will take away your uh, law license if you commit a felony. But what I learned is you can commit a felony before you get your license. So, I mean, they always make all those lawyers jokes that they're all like crooked. Well, they don't know that. It's not like they advertise that, you know. But people always make the lawyer jokes, so maybe there's something to it. Maybe they're like all like commit felonies oh, and then they become lawyers later. I Listen, I've always wanted to be an attorney. I feel like I could, you know, argue my way into anything or out of anything. But well, I don't know of any felonies you've committed. Not that that stops you. Oh. But so I think I think you're in you're in it. If Thankfully, Kim K can okay. pass, I think you can, too. You got this. I don't know if I could. I don't know. You know, I had yeah. a friend whose husband or fiance at the time was studying for his bar. And she basically was just like, I'm not going to go to law school and I'm going to take the bar to show you that I can also pass. And she passed before him. Oh, my God. What a bitch, though. <laughs> right? I think so, too, dude. I actually that's funny you say that because I think it's bitchy it's like just let him have it like yeah, he went to like, law school like yeah that's what, kind of emasculating like, why do you have to like show him yeah. up yeah no oh my god okay how she is okay so anyways so losing your job is never fun but for eric losing his job his law license and his justice of the peace status was extra because he kind of he got taken down by his colleagues in the field, right? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was a relatively small field, you know, in Kaufman County. So he took it extra personal. I think if I were in that sort of position, I would just move. Right? Yeah, I think so too. Like the population seventy five hundred. Like just oh, just move. I mean, it was like yeah. it had to be an all. Everybody knew what was up. I mean, just. Yeah. Just move, right? Start working at Home Depot or something. I hear they have great benefits. Come on, right? Keep it moving. Yeah. Okay, also, Kim was still collecting disability checks. So, like, they were doing all right. Well, Eric didn't want to move. He just wanted to stay home and stew about all the folks that he thought had done him wrong. And Kim is, like, super bummed on life. I mean, the whole reason she fell for this fool to begin with is because she didn't want to be with a loser. And that kind of backfired, right? And now she's, like, 40. She gave up having kids for him. So what's she going to do now? Right? So Mm -hmm. she's got to be depressed. And now having her husband home all the time is not making her feel any better. I mean, that work-from-home husband thing would not work for me either, Kim. No way. No way. Right? tensions be running okay yeah and especially he's not even really he's not even working he's just home 
I mean, F, no. forget that, right? I have a friend that she's the breadwinner and then the husband stays at home and does all the kids stuff, which is awesome. Like, I'm like, dude, that is girl power. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. But I would, I think I'd be pissed just saying myself. I'd be like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to like go to work anymore. Yeah. While you get to go to the field trip to the zoo, which is like what I'm going to do in two weeks, you know? Yeah. I want to go to the field trip to the zoo. Yeah. It wouldn't work for you as your friend. I can. Yeah, it's true. Okay, well, you know, it wasn't working for Kim either. And so this all spiraled kind of into Kim abusing all the narcotics she was provided or prescribed for her condition. Yeah. She was prescribed some heavy ones. Everything. Like morphine. Oh. Opioids. Okay. Yikes. They thought she was like in so much pain she couldn't even like deal with life. That sounds like end of life care. Take this back to 2010. I think that people were prescribing drugs more freely then. Okay. Okay? So Kim's in a bad way. And her and Eric just started living like like recluse, you know, in their like disgraced Mm -hmm. little bubble. I'm sure all the neighbors were wondering, like, why don't you just fucking move? Okay. I'm talking about Rakuten. Have you checked it out? Because I recommend you do. Rakuten is the most rewarding way to shop and save because the members earn cash back on everything they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores that I know I shop online at like Zappos, Sephora, and Best Buy. We are all already online shopping at our favorite stores, so why not be saving while doing it? It's a no-brainer. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. How it works is the stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the commission with its members. You get paid via check or PayPal quarterly. Membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app and start saving today. Your cash back really adds up. This episode is sponsored by Astapro. Thanks, Astapro, for providing Tab and I with samples. Shout out to all my allergy suffering friends out there. You know how they say it's that time of year for allergies? Well, for me, it sort of feels like it's always that time of year. I thought I had tried everything until I recently discovered Astapro. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. It's faster, bro. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Clink, clink. Let me tell totally. Let me tell you, there is a reason why they didn't leave town, and it's pathetic. It was because Eric felt he had some unfinished business with the people he thought were responsible for his demise. Oh no! So six, like he wanted to like off them. Yes. Mm-hmm. So six months. After Eric was found guilty, he dressed in black 
waited for the prosecutor that had convicted him, Mark Hassey, in the parking lot of the courthouse early in the morning, and he shot and killed him. No. After he shot him, he shot the gun up in the air so that everyone in the area would, you know, scurry away. And they wouldn't see Mm -hmm. what direction he went. And then he got in the car with Kim, who acted as his getaway driver. Wow. Yeah. One witness saw him but couldn't identify him because he had a mask. But she heard Mark say, I'm sorry, repeatedly first. And so what the police thought of this was it must have been something that someone that Mark knew, you know? Yeah. Well, right away, Mark's boss and fellow prosecutor, Mike McGallan, went to the police and told them they need to look at Eric. He had a feeling about him. So police did go knocking on Eric's door, but Eric was ready for them. He answered the door wearing a sling. And he told... A what? A sling. Like a sling like you could get at the CVS. Yeah. For like your arm? Yeah. He told them that he had had shoulder surgery the previous day. Mm -hmm. And so they just ruled him out. No. Yes. Yes. Stop it right now. No. Nope. That's it. Okay. So Eric felt like king of the world, knowing that he had gotten away with the murder. He loved watching all the news coverage. And it was a big deal. A prosecutor being killed on the street in front of the courthouse, you know, so dramatic, right? Apparently, Eric called his planned assassination Tombstone because it's like, you know, the shootout in the movie. And I hate that. I fucking love that movie so much. And I don't love... You do hate... You hate when that's referenced in in these cases. Yes! Yes, I do, because I love that movie and I hate this crime. Don't don't take away from that movie. It's a good movie. Okay. (laughs) Don't want it to inspire anything negative. Okay. Okay. So they start looking into who could have had motivation to shoot Mark. They receive a tip on the Crime Stoppers hotline that the Aryan Nation gang was involved. I mean, obviously, those are a bunch of douchebags, so let's follow that lead, right? Well, of course, Eric is the one who made the phone call because before Mark had moved to Kaufman, he had been an assistant DA in Dallas where he had convicted some members of an Aryan Nation's gang. So Eric's plan was sadly working for him for the time being. And Kim, well, she's just like high as a kite, letting her roots grow in, not counting carbs or macros, just fucking watching TV. Okay. (gasps) So while she's doing that, Eric gets to plotting his next victim. He wanted that to be the DA, Mike McGellan, that the guy who had suspected him right away as being Mark's killer. Oh, gosh, this guy is such a, like, he's an idiot. Yeah, he's an idiot. They don't say, like, he should have just been riding low. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, of course, Eric didn't know that Mike had suspected him. You know, it's not like Mike called him up and said, hey, I went to the police about you. 
right? Yeah. He just he just wanted him dead for his involvement in the theft case. Well, the thing about Mike McKellen instinctively knowing that Eric was the killer is the thing that kind of resonates with me about this case because, oh my God, I feel like I have good instincts about people that are off just like Sherry Papini. I told you people, I told you three years ago, she was a liar. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, when I think people are crazy, you know, I cross the street. And a lot of people felt that way about Eric. He just rubbed people wrong. I'm just saying, PSA, go with your gut, be a bitch. Fuck it. Yeah. You know, right? Just because someone presents themselves in a certain kind of way, it doesn't mean shit. Crazy comes in all shapes and sizes. Yeah. So true. Okay. So Eric's plan to kill Magellan was different than his little tombstone plan on the street. He wanted to shoot Magellan at his home. He picked Easter weekend because he knew there wouldn't be as many patrol officers working in case things went sideways. To execute his plan, this time he drove up to the Magellan house in a Crown Victoria that he had purchased because it looked like an unmarked police car. And then he put on a vest that said sheriff on it, and he knocked on the Magellan's door. Well, Mrs. Magellan answered the door to this stranger because he... Obviously, he was impersonating a police officer, and he told her that there was a gunman loose in the neighborhood. As soon as she opened the door, he opened fire. And then Mike (gasps) McGellan ran down the stairs to see what was happening, and then Eric shot him 12 times after having shot Cynthia McGellan five times. He was in the house less than two minutes, and when he was done, Kim was again waiting as the getaway driver... Kim says at the time, Eric's rage was her rage. So she didn't feel bad about the murder of Mike McGellan, but she did feel bad about his wife, a grandmother, you know, totally uninvolved being a victim. But I would say she didn't feel that bad, though, because she got it together enough that afternoon to go barbecue steaks at her parents' house for Easter weekend. So, you know, that's bad. Right? Yeah. Really bad. So after the Magellans were killed, investigators got to thinking that the direction they had been taking the investigation in with Mark Hassey was amiss because it not was right. just not right. Not right. It's just too much a quinky dink that another Kaufman prosecutor was violently killed. And this time the prosecutor didn't have any connection to the Aryan nations. So this most certainly had to have been the work of someone like in their own circle. They also thought that the killer must have been someone that the Magellans were familiar with because there was no forced entry. You know, Mm -hmm. it was really early in the morning. So like, why would she just open the door? So they're just real on edge. No, sometimes I sometimes I think people leave their door open. Maybe not. That, that you would just answer the door for anybody? No, no, I would not answer the door. But I mean, what if it was just open or unlocked? No, yeah, but she opened How the early? door for him. I mean, I think it was like 7 a.m. Oh, okay. Yeah, if a stranger came knocking on my door that early, I would hesitate about opening 
the door. I know. Yeah, hesitate, but you might do it. I know. I'm so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but if they came at night, be- I, I'm a hard no at night. I know. But in the morning, it seems so different. I was in my 20s, actually, and I had someone knocking on my door. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not opening the door for you. And he wouldn't leave. And then finally, the police came and he was on the run. No way. Yeah. In Pierpont, in Ventura. Yeah. Scary. Yeah, it was. So, I mean, I definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So, the like, the town is real on edge. And then yeah. they receive an email that a judge was going to be killed if he didn't resign. After that, they obviously have to beef up security at the courthouse, you know, given the threat. They took it real serious. They had snipers planted all over the exterior of the courthouse. Well, Eric's just sitting home, reveling, watching the terror that everyone was living in on account of him. But that all came to an end 12 days later after he sent the email threatening that the judge was going to be killed because he was dumb enough to send it from his own home. So when they looked up the IP address, they went a knocking on Eric's door. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Side note. Hello, go to an internet cafe or a library and wear a disguise if you want to send something <laughs> shady. Okay. Or just don't do that kind okay, of stuff. Yeah, but I'm if... glad he didn't, but I'm just saying. Hello. Yeah. Okay. So they arrested him. Okay. And they searched his house, but they didn't find anything except mm. that he jotted down the reference numbers to the tips that he had called in about the Aryan nations to the Crime Stoppers tip line. Oh, my God. What a dumbass. Yeah. Uh-huh. But still, it was like there wasn't anything really linking him to the crime, right? They thought yeah. it was possible, like, maybe he just, like, screwing with authorities or maybe even he wanted to take credit for crimes he didn't commit. They couldn't, they couldn't figure it yeah. out. Yeah. Thankfully, they were able to piece it together when a friend of Eric's decided to let them know that he had been renting a storage unit for Eric and he wasn't sure what was in it. I mean, that friend is pretty smart, right? Like, yeah, it's time to not be a friend anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to go down with this shit. Okay. Well, they were blown away when they checked out the storage the Crown Victoria oh, no. was there and all his fake police gear, as well as many, many weapons and even some homemade napalm. So they go talking to Eric. They're like, what gives with all this shit? And he wouldn't talk because he's like lawyerish, right? Which is smart. So then they mm-hmm. go and chat with Kim. And they tell her, well, if she don't spill it, then we're going to, you know, we're going to tie you into this whole mess. Yeah. Well, uh, she probably should have asked for immunity, knowing that she is tied into this whole mess, but she didn't. 100%. No, she didn't. No. So she spilled it. All right. She told him everything, including that she was the getaway driver and that she didn't make herself a deal before. No. No, no, she did not. And she told him there were two people left on Eric's hit list. Oh, no. Both people were judges. 
one that Eric had hated since he felt he was the reason he was fired for overcharging the CPS cases. Still fucking bitter about that one. And the other that had presided over his case, he was planning on shooting his next victim with a crossbow and then filling the wound with napalm and lighting him on fire. Oh, please. They were going to wait till after Super Bowl to do that naturally, right? Oh, I mean, come on. That's like the nice thing to do. Right. Okay. So thank God he never got the chance. Well, Kim and Eric were both charged with murder. And while awaiting trial, Kim filed for divorce. The big D? The big D. In the big D. The big D in the big D. Debbie does Dallas dick all the Ds. Divorce. Divorce. It's all about the divorce. Yeah. Okay. She then even testified against Eric with the hope that she would get leniency. Okay. Side note, she looked like shit at the trial. I mean, real rough. Back in the day, I'm telling you, she was, she had it going on. The trial was a total slam dunk, though, even without Kim's testimony, because they had all the ballistic evidence, like from the storage locker that matched up with the crime scene, you know, the bullets and shit. So Eric was found guilty and sentenced to death. Mm. The... Mm-hmm. Because it's Texas. You know they don't fuck around, right? Texas doesn't mess around. No. No, they don't. Yeah. So the McGellan children made victim impact statements, and they actually thanked Kim for her testimony, which I thought was, like, real big of them. You know? Like- Eric has ran out of appeals, though so he tried all of them. He claimed he was insane at the time because he suffers <gasps> from type 1 diabetes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. So I'm real. I'm not sure what the stats on type 1 diabetes are, but I'm real glad that all the people that suffer from that are not, um, don't get a pass for murder. Psycho killers? Yeah. Right? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Type 1 diabetes happens oh, when one. you're, it's a childhood disease. And oh my God, it's not it something is, you mess around with, though. It's real serious. It is real serious. Yeah. I had, a, we both had a friend that had it. And he was, he did some, you know, it's hard because I think once you become a teenager and a young adult, you try to test the limits of it and you really can't. Yeah. Uh, we had a friend that did that, yeah. but, um, you know, it's also manageable. Yeah, it is. But I, yeah, yeah I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Yeah. Except no maybe way. Eric. He can have it. Okay. Well, um, anywho, he's out of appeals. A trial judge is supposed to set his final execution date this year. Oh. So it's coming. Yeah. Kim pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 40 years with parole, which she will be eligible for in 2033. 
Eric's sister told the press that if my brother did this, he didn't do it alone and they should both be punished in the same way. Not the most humble statement, I think. I think clearly there was no love lost Mm. between uh, Kim and her sister-in-law. No, no. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't know that Kim deserves death, too. That seems a little extra. Um. Her lawyer says she feels remorse and is not the same person she was then. At the time, she was in a drug-fueled state. Kim is serving her sentence at the Hobby Women's Facility. It would appear that prison looks good on her because she looks a whole lot better now than she did when she testified at Eric's trial. Trial. I absolutely think that she, I don't know, I'm sorry, tequila. I think that she deserves to be in prison, but, you know, I do have compassion for Kim. Yeah. And lastly, if you want more insight into what led these two down such a sad path of revenge, there is a book about it called In Plain Sight by Catherine Casey. She actually talked to them both, too. She says that Eric has never owned anything. He's that Mm -hmm. dude, right? And Kim does, and she has some regrets and clarity. I mean, I read the book. It basically is just that everyone thought Eric was real off, but there's only so much people can do. You know, which is just really sad. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a WAP. That is... Yeah, well, I... It's Texas, so Eric is probably going to be showing up on that list real soon. Well, actually, I mean, so I think his trial was in 2012 by the time they got around to it. So Mm -hmm. it's been 10 years. I'm actually surprised it's taken 10 years for all his his appeals to go through. He can probably thank COVID for some of that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, COVID. But uh, yeah, his execution should, should happen. Wow. Lethal injection. That's how they're doing it in Texas. <laughs> they don't. They don't have the uh, firing gas squad. Anymore. Yeah. No. <laughs> Put him yeah. on a bull. Let him loose. Oh my god, that's terrible. That's. Did you too see? Much. No. Did you see that guy that was on the bull recently? And he was a kid. I think he was seventeen years old. He gets flung off, hits his head goes unconscious his dad is in the stands he sees the bull is going to like basically murder his son he jumps over the fence in the stands and just lays on top of his son to protect him oh i mean it was incredible that's a real man eric yeah yeah you know we give our husbands a lot of shit but they would do that they for sure would. Yeah. 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 Give my husband a lot of shit tonight. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. But he would for sure do that. Yeah. He also took my daughter to a daughty daddy daughter dance. Yeah, that's so Texas. It's like everywhere, I think. Uh-huh. But more so you there. Know, yeah. It it's kind of one of those things where the guys, they don't really know what to do. Yeah. Right. They're like, what do I do with these daughters of mine? Like, and and there was stuff set up and crafts and stuff, but he's like, dads don't really do 
crafts with with their little girls. Totally. They just want to go like drink with the other dads, right? So then do all the the daughters just go like dance by themselves? I don't even know if they dance. I mean, who knows? I I think it's a really cute idea. But at the end of the day, if you really think about it, it's kind of awkward. And it's definitely awkward for the like the nine to 12 year olds. Before that, they don't they don't care. They're like, hey, let's go. Yeah, my kids have some my girls would love that. Yeah. 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 So. Anywho, Anywho. well, thanks for that case. Um, You guys, if you have not already followed us on Instagram or Housewives of True Crime group on Facebook, which is where we do most of our interaction, please find us there. If you have not subscribed to our podcast, please do so now. Just scroll to the app you're on and push subscribe. You'll get us every Monday. We also have a Patreon group on Thursdays. It's Housewives of True Crime on Patreon, but you can go to patreon.com forward slash Housewives of True Crime. And we have hats for sale that are really cute and spring break is coming up. Mine is, I think, at the end of this week. Um, And I know I will be taking my hat along with me. So... I think that's it. I think that's it. Sounds good. Clink, clink. All right. Clink, clink. Hey, guys. If you're looking for your next binge-worthy podcast and you like your true crime light on the gore, then you should check out our show, Moms and Murder, a true crime podcast hosted by myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Some of our recent episodes include one about the craziest hotel bombing you've never heard of, the crimes of Lou Pearlman, and even the murder of pop superstar Selena. Each Tuesday, we give our take on a new crime story, balancing our delivery of facts and levity while still giving the stories the respect they deserve and making you feel like you're part of our conversation. Moms and Murder covers both the lesser known and the more familiar stories, and there are over 200 episodes to binge, so you can get started right now. Search Moms and Murder on your favorite podcast app and subscribe so you never miss a new episode.